Today's show is brought to you by AT&T Business. From advanced cybersecurity to the Internet of Things, AT&T gives you the flexibility to adapt to today's ever-changing business world. Learn more at att.com slash agility. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, coming to you from the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, Executive Editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who will not be pardoning Sheriff Joe Arpaio, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you are listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or just visit recode.net slash podcasts for more. Today in the red chair is Maha Ibrahim, a general partner at venture capital firm Kanan. She's invested in everything from gaming to e-commerce, but currently she focuses on enterprise, the cloud, and marketplaces. She's also a frequent lecturer at UC Berkeley and a mentor to women in STEM. Maha, welcome to Recode Decode. Hi there. How you doing? Good. Glad Thanks to have you. Me. So much to talk about in venture capital. And that's before we uh, end up talking about sexual harassment and everything else. But So let's talk a little bit about your background. Your firm is not as well known as others, even though it's done a lot of big investing. Now, you've give me your background in venture capital. My personal background? Yes, your personal background. So I grew up in Boston. Mm-hmm. My parents immigrated here from Egypt in mm-hmm. the late 60s, had me. And my mom worked for uh, DEC for 25 years. Oh, wow. A digital Equipment Corporation. What did she do there? She I wrote about was... DEC. That's dating myself. Right? <laughs> it sold to Compaq, right? Or... Yes. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So Massachusetts at the time was DEC land. Right. Everybody worked there. Yeah. It was, was it, uh, Corridor. The, the, that one, 128. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is not, not even. It's no. a shadow of its former self. Right. Um, my father was in nuclear engineering. And... I was just surrounded by tech. My mom took me out to California, to Palo Alto, one winter mm-hmm. for her break. And I looked around and I was like, oh my God, I love it here. Right? Why, why am I in cold Boston, Boston when I can be sure. at Stanford just mm-hmm. loving life? And so I made a commitment to myself that I was going to come out here. And that's what happened. So I went to Stanford for college, met my now husband. We went back to Boston for graduate school came back to the Bay Area thereafter. Uh, I ended up working for BCG for a total... As, do, as is the want of many. Exactly. Consulting. Um, I thought I wanted to be a professor. Mm-hmm. So I was dead set on going into academia. And one day when my venture capital career is over, You're gonna I will go back to that. All right. Yes. Okay. I would do it for free. Right. I just love So how did you get into venture capital? I mean, it's not like, first of all, no women at all, or practically no women. I'm trying to think of who yeah. was around, who you would might pattern after. When I joined, I joined in March of 2000. So mm-hmm. it was by far the peak of the market mm-hmm. at that time. Right. You know, we're arguably at a new peak right now. Um, I would argue that back then there were probably more women in senior ranks at, in venture firms okay. than there are today. Right. And it, it so happened that the folks that were ushered out of the business within a couple of years after the bubble bursting, were folks that focused in a couple of areas. Consumer, mm-hmm. which were largely the female partners, mm-hmm. and um, telecommunications equipment, optical networking type folks. All of them were gone. Right. And that was probably the first wave of women exiting the huh. business. Interesting. I think. Yeah. And it slowly built up more and more over time. 
But we're clearly in a position right now in, in the venture universe where there is a dearth of women at the senior ranks. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, you know, all those statistics are declining. They're showing MIT, yeah. people at MIT, everywhere. It's gone from 20s to 15s, the, the numbers. Yeah. Uh, Harvard Business School, everything, everywhere that these people would come out of. Tell me about why you decided to do that rather than go into operations. Your parents are both technical people. Yes. What did you take at Stanford? So I have a PhD in economics. Wow. So I wanted to, again, be a professor. That mm-hmm. That was my main goal. After working at Boston Consulting Group in San Francisco during the bubble, I was looking around and saying, God, there are people who are doing some amazing stuff. And I'm sitting here working on right. you know, a pretty boring project for a utility company. Mm-hmm. So I said I wanted to be in tech. And uh, I landed this job with Quest Communications, oh which God, at that time sure. was an upstart telecommunications yeah, company. I, I knew probably how to answer a phone. That was about as much as I knew about telecommunications. But I learned really fast. And the company at the time was really small. It was in Denver. And they gave my 28-year-old butt. Who was the founder of that? That crazy billionaire. Joe Naccio. So Joe Naccio was the CEO who then went to jail. He went to jail. He was so entertaining, though. I remember seeing him at events. Joe Naccio, how are you doing? Completely magnetic personality. It's a hot, hot, hot company. Yes, yes. It was a rocket ship. And Mm -hmm. the chairman was a guy named Phil Anschutz. Of course. Who owns a lot of things. Despite his um, political leanings right is an incredibly successful man mm-hmm. uh, it was an incredibly controversial company it grew tremendously and they gave a 28 year old woman who knew nothing about telecommunications a real shot <clears throat> to do something so i headed up business development for them in a couple of years we grew from a thousand to fifteen thousand people and my role was to interface with the startups in Silicon Valley. So my main role was working with venture-backed companies, both on the network equipment side, data center side, and content side, to help build out our network and build out the content that would help highlight how much bandwidth we were putting into the ground. Sure, sure. Of which there was no content of that. There was no content at the time. That's right. So it really taken me back here. Yes. So our slogan was ride the light. That's right. And jokingly internally we used to say it's ride the lie because <laughs> we were putting all this stuff in the ground and we couldn't but directionally correct right? <laughs> directionally correct yes, that's fa- where everything went fast forward 20 years and that's yeah. where everything is gone. i remember his spiel now yes, i've forgotten it, it but was, there was a lot you know was it was a showman. there was a lot of people like that you know even like the people at uh, before that general magic yeah um, oh, that was during the time. So we were working bullshit, with General Magic. so correct, completely. you know, directionally, like, yes. w- that you were going to have a device in your hand that you were going to read on and do. The idea was big. It's timing is everything. Timing is, is everything, right? Yeah, timing is yeah. absolutely yeah. everything. Yeah. And if there's one thing I've learned in my venture career, that's it. Yeah. Timing is everything. So how did you get to venture from Quest? So I was, that was working like, it, with... It sort of was a crater. It was a big crater, as I recall. It was... So Quest was an amazing success yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, and it was... And it, it cert- I certainly did very well there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I headed up business development there. Right. And again, for a 28-year-old woman, I, we were, right. I was one of four female VPs in the company. Which is a lot, actually. Well, for a company of that size, right, it was, a lot. <laughs> it was not a lot. Right. Um, and I was 
incredibly lucky, fortunate, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it, to be given that amount of responsibility at such a young age um, with such little knowledge of the industry. But again, my main role was interfacing with venture-backed startups. So the transition of venture was fairly easy thereafter. Mm -hmm. And then again, I found myself at Canaan Partners in March of 2000, uh, being really excited about the industry and excited about the job, but knowing very, very little. And why did you, why venture? What was the, the move? I'm always interested in how people decide to do something because you could have gone on to work at any one yeah. of any company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all of them were into that, the idea of bandwidth and things like that. Um, I found myself in very intellectually curious about how these companies that I was seeing and interfacing with on a daily basis were started. Mm-hmm. So from a, from many standpoints, I was looking at how exciting it was to build a company. I was seeing it internally at Quest, but I was also looking at these founders that I was working with in my business development role and looking at their psychological makeup. What made these people take so much of a financial, personal, professional risk mm-hmm. in starting this company that could easily die within a couple of years right. from now. And there was something really thrilling about mm-hmm. that. There was something really thrilling about seeing somebody's core nugget of idea and and watching that blossom over time. Right. Right. And frankly, that's what drew me. Yeah, and you didn't want to do that yourself. I didn't want to do it myself because Why? I didn't have that risk-loving appetite right. to use somewhat of an, an economic term. I wasn't risk-loving enough to put mm-hmm to use a poker term, to be all in on one idea. Right, right, right. So it's interesting because it's other people's money, so what's the difference? You know, I, I started Fair a company enough. and I didn't care yeah. because it's other people's money. Like, yeah. Oh, you know what I mean, kind of thing. So you started to do that and you focused in on what were your initial investments? Where did you look at? So I was, because I was coming from Quest, my main, for, for probably 10 years thereafter, my main focus at Canaan was and has been and is infrastructure software. So I mm-hmm. tend to focus on data center stuff, mm-hmm. mainly software, some hardware, but everything that makes the back end systems mm-hmm. work. So storage, security, business intelligence, all of the b- virtualization, everything that's boring. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where I focused on. Right. And then along the so way- the Cisco venture cat. Things exactly. that sell to Cisco. <laughs> Things that sell to Cisco, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, that's over. <laughs> it's not over okay, though. Right, I mean, fine. they are, they are a huge acquirer yes. and will continue to be. Mm-hmm. But along the way, decided that, gosh, I actually like this consumer stuff too, mm-hmm. and made a couple of bets there. And I've been very fortunate to have some successes there. Right. Tell me which ones. So uh, I, we are Series A investors, largely mm-hmm. at Canaan Partners. So um, the strategy at the firm is to invest at that Series A, where there may have been seed money put in the company, there may not have been. And when we do that Series A, we've raised somewhat large funds. So the most recent fund that we've raised is $800 million. Mm-hmm. From a financial perspective, in order to return multiples on that $800 million, right. ownership is everything. Right. So we need to be partners with the CEO, and we need to probably take between 80 to 100% of that Series A round. Mm-hmm. So we tend not to syndicate at the early stages, right. and then uh, we'll syndicate thereafter. Uh, so some of the uh, some of the companies that we've invested in uh, that I've invested in have been Kabam on the consumer mm-hmm. side, which um, recently sold last year sold, which is a mobile gaming company. Yep, I know. And we seeded and led the Series A there. 
The uh, Real Real is one of my oh, companies, yeah. which is Julie a Wayne luxury, <laughs> yes, a luxury consignment Crazy company. She's doing incredibly well. She was. Uh, I wrote about her at Pets.com, and before that, when she was at the movie company. Yes, the Real. Was. Is that Real? No, the Real. It's something. It had yeah. Real in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's one wacky. She's great. I love her because she's, she's such an so entrepreneur. Feisty. She really is at the core of everything she is. She's mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. and again, I look at that and I say, Gosh, I love to advise. I love to help out. I love to push those people. But yeah, I, she could have been down with I Pets. could not com. do that. She yeah. been, I remember I was sitting yes. at her house in uh, Mill Valley or somewhere, somewhere like that, over just over the bridge, and she was going to go public with Pets. I'm like, this is not going to end well, mm-hmm. Julie. Like, and she's mm-hmm. like, no, I swear. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm telling you. It's funny. Right, and that perseverance, that yeah. dogged determination. Dogged. <laughs> that the dog. I, I have a picture of the dog in the my pun. bathroom. I have, a picture, I have the dog picture in my bathroom. <laughs> Because she gave me one a long time ago. It's like a collector's item. Yeah, it is a collector's yeah. item. I have an actual sock puppet. But. I mean, imagine that. Imagine You're taking me back those here, stories. Yeah. Right? I know. I'm, you know, we're both the not real, that real old. The Real Real sells. Explain what The Real Real does. So The Real Real is a luxury consignment company. Right. So they consign goods that you would find in Saks, Neiman Marcus, et cetera. Uh, we take them out of closets of... Anybody. Rich ladies. Usually rich ladies, yeah. but um, people who love luxury. Mm-hmm. And we authenticate it. Yeah. We describe it, we photograph it nicely, and then we sell it. Right. And because we have sold millions of items at this point in time, we have a really good database and knowledge of what the price points are to sell at relatively high velocity. Right. Yeah, my mom yeah. sold eight hundred dollars at the rich lady stuff. Yeah, there you go. Real, she it, loves the real. It, real. it is. Sure. It is an incredible service. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So you. you that, so those are different than gaming. Yes. This, and what else? It's a lot different yeah. from uh, storage virtualization. Yeah, software. I would imagine. Yeah, I would it imagine. is. It is. And frankly, so, I stayed away from a lot of the consumer stuff for a while because I didn't want to be. The woman who was doing consumer stuff. Right. Yeah. I knew of that once I the opened the door, yeah. I would get a floodgate of it, mm-hmm. and that ha- or I would open the floodgates. But and that has happened, mm-hmm. but in a much more positive way than I initially thought it would. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit. So here you are doing this. Let's, I, I was I meet met with a lot of venture capitalists yesterday. Of all things, so I've got a lot of what's going on in my mind. I was trying to get a sense of where the market is right now, and pretty much every person felt like it was just too flooded right now. The, there's too much money yeah. chasing very bad ideas now. That it's really there's been a sort of a not a lack of innovation, a lack of ideas, a lack of where anything's going. And so I think everyone communicated that there's $200 million funds, there's too many this. And one person, which I thought was funny, said to me, you know, all I, someone asked him what he did, or kid did, and he said, I sell money. Like wow. I said, which I thought was great, actually. Yeah. exactly what it meant. It's sell, I'm selling money to entrepreneurs. Uh, I thought that was a brilliant way to describe what they, you know, honest way to describe. It's honest. What is, how do you look at the state of venture capital now? And then when, in our next segment, we're going to talk about sort of all the controversies and, and, and then the last segment, we'll talk about what's hot. Sure, But sure. What, what do you think the state is right now? When I joined the industry in 2000, there were years of, you know, the, it was the nuclear dead zone, right? right? absolutely. It was just years of yeah. slogging and slogging and slogging through a really poor exit environment. Right. And I'd say that lasted up until 2005 or 2006, mm-hmm. where, I mean, to, to give context, we would look around and we'd say, God, that's a company that exited for $200 million? Woohoo! Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That mindset or that change because of the current environment is, is remarkable. 
And we're now looking at the last nine years of up and to the right. Mm -hmm. And we're also looking at a cast of characters in the venture industry that have, a lot of them have only seen up and to the right. Right, exactly. And so they do look at their jobs as selling money. Mm -hmm. That's not our job, All right. right? Our job is to return capital to our limited partners, right. hopefully in multiples. And we do that by investing in ideas that we think will become huge and in, and hopefully advising the companies right, along and helping the way. Them. But what is the most concerning right now, and, the, and what we push on a lot is, at Canaan is kind of the opposite of that. What is the most concerning right now is the flood of capital coming in. And I totally understand why, right? Investors, There's be nowhere it, to go. pension funds, et cetera, they're seeking alpha, right? Right. So they, are, they have nowhere to go. The market, the public market is at an all-time high. And they want to at least put some of their capital into risk capital. We are a beneficiary. And one may say, looking back on this, a victim mm -hmm. of that, although I can't say that venture capitalists are victims. No, but, no. <laughs> um, we are a willing recipient, yeah. <laughs> potentially. Yeah. yeah, we're a willing recipient of that. We have got to maintain, at Canaan, I can't control the industry. Mm -hmm. We've got to maintain discipline. We've got to be intentional about how we invest. And for us, we've reacted to the current environment by being very focused on franchise areas. So there's areas that we will focus on and we'll go deep and get to know all the executives, entrepreneurs, and develop theses around those areas so that if we're seeing a white space, we either will incubate a company or we'll find three or four entrepreneurs, bring them together, and seed them with right, that that's idea. That's super thoughtful. And that's how we do it. But you don't operate in a vacuum. And there's we all don't. this money flying around. Yes. Like, so that, that it doesn't matter. That's the worry is that there's all this money flying around. And entrepreneurs have a lot of choices, yes. even the worst ones. Right, right, right. So that is our reaction to it, right? Our reaction is to be much more deliberate and intentional so that we can go after those ideas before those entrepreneurs actually are shopping their deals. But they're, you're absolutely right. We're in an environment that is high valuation, highly competitive, et cetera. When I entered the business 17 years ago, you could survive as a generalist. Mm -hmm. I could easily invest in a consumer company over here and network equipment company over there, and no one would think anything of it. Mm -hmm. Today's world is much different. As a VC, you've got to be a subject matter expert. You've got to go deep in areas because that's the only way of differentiating yourself. Mm -hmm. And and that means what, given, again, there's so much money and people don't, are mm -hmm. very, they're like a little bit loose. I don't know how else to put it. They're Without just, question. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's troubling. Do you think that we're in a non-innovative period or a shift of a, and we'll talk about that next mm -hmm. on the thing, where do you think we are in a venture? Because it feels like we're still at the, t the tail end of the old way of doing venture capital. And I want to talk about what the new way would be of doing it because it hasn't, I guess, I guess Andreessen Horowitz was the last venture firm created in the old style, even though they were talking about being different. Mm -hmm. They're sort of the same. What do you imagine happening? And then we'll talk about it next. So I'll talk about what we invest in, and then I'll talk mm -hmm. about how that trickles down or trickles up to the venture community. We are in a non-innovative, we're in a massive transitionary period in one segment of our investments, which is a negative. And then on the consumer side, we'll talk about that in a second. On the enterprise side, we have been open sourced to death. Mm -hmm. So almost every part of the stack up to the app layer is getting open source, which is phenomenal for the developer. It's phenomenal for the cost structure of enterprises. It is a very difficult environment, though, in which to be an enterprise investor. Mm -hmm. And so there are pockets of investing within within infrastructure software, but it is 
it's a difficult space right now. Mm-hmm. To boot, you have companies like Cisco, HP, Symantec, EMC, et cetera, which for the exception of, of Cisco have had their own troubles and have not been acquisitive. Mm-hmm. So it is a difficult landscape. And there are, again, there are pockets that we're finding, but I'm, I'm relatively bearish mm-hmm. there. The consumer side of the house, it is, we've not seen, several years ago, we saw the- A bunch of innovation. We saw mobile right. come onto the scene. Not just right? that, but Airbnb, Uber, Pinterest. Which, which happened because of mobile, yeah, right? Absolutely. Mobile was that core shift in the market that caused all of these massive companies mm-hmm. to grow and to own it, to mm-hmm. own new spaces like Uber and Airbnb, which I would argue at this point, the two of those companies should be looked at as public goods mm-hmm. in addition to fabulous companies. But what we're waiting to see on the consumer investment side is what that next transitionary phase is going right. to be, what that massive new wave is going to be. And it's not there yet, but that doesn't mean that in a year or two from now, we won't see it. All right, we're going to talk about what that might be yes. in the next segment. I'm here with Maha Ibrahim, a general partner at venture capital firm Canaan. This episode of Recode Decode is brought to you by AT&T Business. Whether it's helping to protect your data, empowering your people, or making faster, more informed decisions, AT&T has the network solutions and people to make it happen. Discover the power of AT&T at att.com agility. If you're looking for a new podcast to try, how about Planet Money? One thing people say about Planet Money is how much they love listening to it, even though they don't care about business or economics. It's just a smart show with great stories that help explain your world. Find Planet Money on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're here with Maha Ibrahim. She is a general partner at the venture capital firm Canaan. Um, we've been talking about where venture capital is and some of the investments she's made. I want to move into sort of the state of venture capital in Silicon Valley right now. It's going through a real rocky period, not just uh, not just in terms of lack of exits or anything else. But let's start with that, and then we'll get into the problems around gender issues. Where does it all go? Because nothing's going public. There's No one's buying nothing, really, not that much. What do you all do? What are you all thinking? So the last three years, counter to that, the last three years for my firm have been incredibly productive. So we've had 30 exits in the last three years. Mostly sales or? Mostly M&A, some IPOs. Okay. The IPO market is certainly rocky, although when I speak with bankers, they're expecting a rush in uh, October and November of this year of, of offerings. There's not been a big one. That's what they always that uh, that's, sort of sets that's off. That's the tough thing. I yeah. mean, what what has been sent out into the market? Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I've read those S ones, and I'm just cringing. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have what makes you cringe? The lack of profitability. Yeah, that and the lack of convergence to profitability. Right. And I'm not just talking about Blue Apron. Right. Mm-hmm. If you look at over the last couple of years, exits both on the cons- sorry IPOs both on the consumer side and the enterprise side, they have been these companies have been burning tremendous amounts of capital, mm-hmm. and you don't see a convergence of the top line and the bottom line. Right, and it's scary. Yeah, you're um, essentially saying they're never going to make money. I I believe that many of them will never make money. And to me, that's emblematic of what you're what we were talking about earlier, which is this rush for alpha is causing these companies to not necessarily be long-term sustainable businesses, but it is that age-old thing of 
highlighting growth over everything else. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it is, it is a concern. It's caused us internally to look at, to question how we're doing business. So as I said, we've been fortunate to have an incredible velocity of exits in my firm over the last three years, which has caused us to be able to raise this most recent fund um, with, with, with so quickly and have the support of incredible limited partners. But as we look at that, we're saying, have we been taking enough risk? Are our companies, given the current environment that we're working with, are we not pushing our companies to grow fast enough? Right. Yet, and we're having to to look at that and and push it against our own Which notions. Which is profitability, of, building of, a real business. Exactly, building a real business and being right. long-term investors and doing this intentionally and deliberately. But it, it, it has caused us internally to have a lot of conversations about what we... Well, what you're kind of, is everybody doing it? We better get in there doing yeah, the same thing. Yeah, and, and, but hopefully, again, we're thinking about it in ways that are, are more manageable. Mm -hmm. I mean, our highest burn company is one that burns $3 million a month. And right. We're cringing. Ah. At that, right? and <laughs> you're going to do a big, do a big. Exactly. You look get at into Uber like losses. Uber is another story yeah. entirely. Yeah. But even... I, these companies that are going public right now yeah. are burning tremendous amounts of capital right. and getting rewarded for it. For it, right. But what, where does that end up? Yep. Yeah, that's yep, yep, exactly. Yep. So M&A is sort of the way out Like mm -hmm. that these companies. How do you get these bigger companies to do that? So about 40% of what we do is healthcare mm -hmm. and 60% is tech. Mm -hmm. I'm on the tech side. The answer is the same on both sides of the house, which is we have to take a thesis-driven approach towards Therefore, investing. something something would be attractive to a, yes. a Google slash exactly. Amazon slash and Apple. And we also have to look at our investments and say, we don't have, we're not an index fund for venture. Mm -hmm. We're not going to cover a ton of areas. There are areas that, frankly, will fall on the table, and we're okay with it. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So for us, for a number of years, security was one of those areas. We've yeah. just now started dabbling back in security. Right. Um, but we didn't see that exit environment for it. We didn't see differentiated um, products out there. We thought that it was a highly competitive market. And for a while, we just stayed away yeah. from it. So that's an example. Hot now. Exactly. I, have, I met with another venture capitalist. He's like, I'm either going to go into AR or cybersecurity. It was so funny. Those are the two areas. I know. Like, what? Yeah. Like, but still, it's all right. I didn't mind. AR is a really interesting area for, in my mind. It's something I think Apple's going to be heavy into. Google's going to be heavy yeah. into. Yeah. To me, that's the next hot space i hope so i no. get are um, you in that are you no 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 i'm i this is a personal and i guess very motion sick with all of it yeah so no not vr i AR. know all of it right like okay. almost all of it ar i'm you heard it here first uh, first just, uh -huh, you are me. the Thanks. first one no ever. but everyone's <laughs> vr everyone's vr i'm ar i'm like ar okay. mr multi whatever <laughs> I just think that Apple and Google are going to play big in that area. Yeah, that let's hope so. Sense. And therein lies another over overarching theme that we're seeing right now is those big companies, Amazon, Apple, mm -hmm. Google, because of the capital they have and because the public markets want them to continue innovating, unlike their competitors right. like Walmart and Target. They just have to sit around, right? Yeah. They are innovating. They're almost out-innovating entrepreneurs. I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree. The projector in the new Amazon. Yeah. Like, so it's incredibly AR, impressive. Yeah. I mean, Amazon is, Jeff Bezos, I continue to bow down. Uncle, yeah. Just Unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. And he's got nice muscles now, uh, which is interesting. 
So we, we, let's not objectify Jeff Bezos, okay? Um, let's get into to. that, actually, objectification. <laughs> That's a good thing. So there's also venture capital has really been sort of the focus has been on problems within the, the diversity and everything else. I just, I'd love to get your, I, I, I often hate just like, what does the woman think of it? But, you know, it's really an interesting, what does the, what, what is it like being in the venture capital? How do you, when you see all this stuff coming out, which is, I think, not a surprise to anybody, um, it's sort of the delayed reaction at the Ellen Powell case, yeah. it feels like. Yeah. And she's just coming out with a book, her book on the, on the subject, mm-hmm. which seems highly pertinent now. Like, looks like Ellen had a point kind of thing, everyone. Talk a little bit about that. So I read her article yesterday Mm -hmm. and was so moved by it. Mm -hmm. It took so much courage to do what she did years ago. And I've said this before, but what Ellen Powell did was basically putting a nuclear bomb on her career, Mm -hmm. right? It was such an incredibly risky move that she made, irrespective of what people think of the merits of her case. Mm There's so so few people who would stand up and do that in her situation. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, made people question what her motives were right. in filing suit in the first place, which sure. is why all this derogatory information about her and her family came out at, the, at subsequent times. So that Ellen Powell uh, suit was a watershed moment mm-hmm. for venture capital and for diversity in venture capital, and not in a good way. Right. Everyone uh, stepped back. Everyone stepped back. And everyone felt like they had to... My my son is really into watching South Park right now, mm-hmm. and there's a kid in South Park named Token. Mm-hmm. Everyone felt like they had to hire the Token. Right. I was on a plane a year and a half ago to the East Coast, sitting next to a VC that I've known for years, and he said to me that he and other managing directors at firms don't want to hire women at senior ranks because they don't want an Ellen Powell-like yep, situation. Yep, we wrote a story like that. It was incredible. If you, if you, if yes. you changed that out for Jewish, black, anything else, yeah. it would have seemed horrible. I was horrified. Yeah. I couldn't sleep that night. What did night. you say to him? Did you throw well, a drink on We had a number of hours on the plane yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, it... I really wanted to hear his story because it's very rare that somebody actually comes out and says something right. like that. Right. And I had to think about it like, wow, maybe he's giving me a gift. Maybe he is opening up the door so that I can hear, really hear mm-hmm. what they really think. Exactly. Right. So while I was horrified, I was appreciative that he was saying it out loud. He also said that when they were going to hire females, they were going to do it at the junior ranks where they didn't have any promise of promotion. So in a way, the Ellen Powell situation or, or events were amazing, but the reaction to it was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. What it did do, complement, supplemented by social media, was Absolutely. allow vitriol to be communicated. Right. And allow that voice to be amplified and magnified in so many ways. Mm -hmm. So I have been heartened by how much support we have amongst ourselves Mm -hmm. as women in the venture community. 
and how much will continue to grow because of that shared experience that we right. have. That was what was interesting when we were covering. We covered it very heavily, the mm-hmm. power trial here at Recode. Yeah. And we thought it was important because mm-hmm. we thought it was a, we did think it was a watershed moment. We covered yeah. it like as if it was the Super Bowl. Like, well, this is important. Yeah. This is a big topic. P- people questioned it at the time. And I was like, no, no, this is a great story. It's a great It narrative. was. It's just that the problem was that other people looked at it like a National Enquirer. Right. Like, no, I right? get that. But I think one of the things I found striking and I continue to find striking is every woman had a story and every good man was surprised those were that's you know and i'm saying you know what i mean like i had no idea and the same thing was iterated with uber mm-hmm. with justin callback with dave uh mcclure yeah i'm so surprised i had no idea Kara. i'm like why did you have no idea yeah you know what i mean it was really interesting every so i meet with female entrepreneurs all the mm-hmm. time and um out of our eight general partners at Canaan, three are women. Mm-hmm. So we have a collective knowledge base in the yeah. firm that is frankly unlike other, yeah, other you need, firms. Yeah, you need that many. Yes. Right. It, right. We feel like we've, meet, we've reached a tipping point. But what collectively we hear regularly from entrepreneurs, and we meet with a lot of female entrepreneurs because of, of the composition of mm-hmm. our firm, is they all have a bad story. Mm-hmm. They to a person, I'll have a bad story. And they're on a spectrum of very minor to yes, very serious. Exactly. You know, That's and so exactly the ones right. on the minor side, oh, I can put up with it. Mm-hmm. The ones on the major side are too horrified to discuss it because they think they'll be tagged. That's exactly right. So there's no fixing for anybody yeah. any, yeah. anywhere along the spectrum. Yeah, and I consider myself incredibly fortunate to have entered this business in a group that has allowed me to flourish. And um, I've taken a lot of responsibility, as have my other partners, both male and female, to make sure that my firm, at least, is as diverse as we can make it and is a reflection of the true entrepreneurial pool. We want to reflect what the entrepreneurial pool looks like mm-hmm. so that everybody who walks in our door feels With comfortable. A promising idea. That's right. So a lot of it has been focused, say, on the Justin Callbacks and Dave McClure's, mm-hmm. the real, the sexual harassment part. Because it's, I think it's more, the more dangerous stuff is less yeah. obvious. Completely. You know what I mean? Those are very easy to write stories about yes. and then they're out, like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's been like six or seven departures because of things like that. But to me, the middle part is more pernicious and also difficult. What has this? What has to happen? What has to occur rather than everyone going back in their turtle position, you know, to hide away from it? I had a VC tell me a couple of weeks ago after this Justin Callback stuff mm-hmm. came out. Again, he was one of the quote unquote good guys, right? right? Which I, we he, hate that term, right? right. I hate I it, right? It, yeah, but he's he, a solid guy. That's he, the other one. I don't know how to put it. He's a night. He's yeah. he's on the right side. I don't know. Yeah. How to, anyway, he said. I wonder if I've ever done anything. Ah, yes. Right. So, trying to so is that, it's reflection, but it's also that turtle thing. Yeah. Like the, the defensive mechanism will be to meet with fewer female entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Right. I have got to, and other female GPs have got to, and we've all, we've all talked about this, which is good. We've got to make sure that we are hiring females at senior and junior levels in the investing world, world. because those people are going to be the ones that invest in, again, a more diverse spectrum. So how do you make it so it's not just token then? You know, that you were just, I mean, it's a joke on South Park, but how do you do that so it's not? Why are they? They don't have to be token. I know that. I get yeah. that. But what? How, but then the mental. It's interesting because I was joking. I'm not not joking. Something. I've literally gotten four job offers from venture capital recently. I don't doubt it. I, I'm like I have it's no not- investment experience. What are you talking? I don't about? doubt it. Yeah, it's insane. Exactly. It's and crazy. who are the people hiring you? They, I think they want someone to be mean to 
sexist entrepreneurs uh, like uh, that they're uh, scared like i'm like a guard dog right like, uh, right. like i'm gonna like you better not sexually harass or carol will find out kind of thing so it's not a bad job it is this is social psychology uh-huh. right i am hiring people that look like me mm-hmm. and that is why most venture firms are predominantly white male mm-hmm. or male yeah so yeah. i want to hire somebody that has pattern a shared matching. experience and a likeness it's a pattern matching right and it just so happens that as i look back i'm guilty of it as well right i'm hiring people that a lot of the people i've hired are first generation mm-hmm. they're immigrants they're right. people who i i have a shared experience sure. with it's just that I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. So, but how do you, not just that, just not with gender changes, it's age, it's, you know, I just was recently, I was in Kentucky and uh, West Virginia, and we're trying to figure out you know, tech jobs there and how to hear source is the new term they use. And I was like, I, one thing I was struck by is how many talented people are there, stuck mm-hmm. there, like, and, but they're not stuck. And I was like, why are people finding people here? Like how, like that's the issue is there's talent all over the world. Yeah. And, and in this country too, just, socked away in different places and it, it was sort of it's a real problem that they're all here because they're not all here like yeah, you know what i mean totally. like i was thinking who among this audience and it was all these people who were not traditionally go to stanford cs degree kind of thing and i'm like who here has probably got the next billion dollar idea there's someone here maybe not this crowd but somewhere here mm-hmm. and it was an interesting it was like they'll never be found essentially unless they leave my political, I, I politically am very left. Mm-hmm. And when Trump came into power, it was a huge blow to me because I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I didn't see why people, uh, for many reasons, why they were voting for him. And as I reflected back and I talked with a lot of people, it became very clear that the people in those regions have been left behind. Mm-hmm. In Silicon Valley or in other innovative places, we have not tapped into those resources. And the government has not done enough to educate those folks um, in those areas and bring industry to those areas. That's certainly not the job of, of venture capital or entrepreneurs to do that. But certainly as we look towards other areas for outsourcing, I believe, given the cost basis in whatever state you're talking about mm-hmm. that isn't California right. or New York, right. that they will be competitive. It was just interesting. I was like, there's so, so much, it was what even, like they didn't even fit in their version of white guys there. These white guys didn't look like mm-hmm. the white guys they're used to. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was. Fa- I was just sitting there, I was thinking there is really someone here that is probably very special of all these people and will never get the chance, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, the, this analog idea that they all have to be here or they have to be in one place, which is interesting. Well, I, I mean, the, the concentration in Silicon Valley, there's nothing like it. No, and, there isn't. And so, so what's the solution to, if you were to take one step, like you had a magic wand, to start off this gender problem, this everything, the whole diversity mm-hmm. problem, uh, this decency pledge seems the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I I love Reed Hoffman, but honestly, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, what, do you, what would be the thing that would have to happen? The decency pledge is... It's a step in the right direction, and Never. I. But it is Sorry, it is can't. the lowest of low bars. Yeah, right. Yeah, it is. Don't I, be an asshole. Oh wow. Right. Okay, exactly. Don't grope me today, please. Yeah. I promise not I promise to grope you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. No. No. So, so what? First of all, we've got as females as minorities in this community, et cetera. The first thing is that we've got to be successful, 
And once we are successful, we've got to make sure that others are successful, mm-hmm. right? There can be no ceiling, whether it's glass ceiling or plastic ceiling or brown, there cannot be a ceiling. Mm-hmm. We've got to make sure that others are given the shot that we were given and not take this as, in, not take individual success as representative of everything else. The problem is that in the entrepreneurial pool, this is specific to women, there's no icon, right? Mm-hmm. There's no Steve Jobs, there's no Mark Zuckerberg, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no one that we can point to right now and use them, highlight them as an example of building a truly world-class mm-hmm. company from the ground up. And I believe that that's one of the reasons, mm-hmm. not the only, right. but that is one of the reasons why we don't see females getting funded in the numbers that we see men. I've heard stories, I've been in panels where male investors have said, we think we feel like women shoot for the moon, not the stars, mm. right? We feel like women are not as ambitious as men. Right. And they are using that's that as the, an example, That's the basically. James Damore argument. Exactly. Right. And they're using that as an example of, mm-hmm. gosh, there is no female Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. There doesn't have to be. Right. Right? There are plenty of other companies that can be very, very successful. And I and we have just got to be we're striving for a post-gender world. And that may be too idealistic. I recognize that. But it's the best thing that I can do. Well, at least we stopped groping, I suppose. No, 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 we have not stopped groping. A, we haven't. And B, B, I can't. That can't be. Yeah. (laughs) That can't be the line. We're here with Maha Ibrahim. She is from Canaan Partners talking about a wide range of things, investments. When we get back, we're going to talk about what the hot areas are. We're going to argue about AR versus everything else and where she thinks where we're all going in Silicon Valley. This show is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, more than 80% of the jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate through the site in just one day. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, our listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com decode. That's ZipRecruiter.com decode. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com decode. I also want to tell you about Too Embarrassed to Ask, my other podcast, which I host with Lauren Good from The Verge. That's right. And this week, I'm calling in from an Apple Watch. <laughs> Are you kayaking somewhere? Yeah, I'm kayaking. Paddleboarding. Paddleboarding I'm on somewhere. Okay, good. And I hope you're enjoying yourself. Every Friday, we answer uh, your questions about consumer tech. Lauren, what did we talk about this week? What do you think we talked about? I'm going to throw it to Dan Fromer, the uh, editor-in-chief of Recode, who joined us. Dan, what did we talk about this week? We talked about the Apple event. Yes. iPhone 10, Apple Watch, X. Steve Jobs Theater. Theater. What else? What else? What did we talk about? All the various things people are concerned. Women on the, stage. The charging station. We didn't talk about Apple TV. but mm. Well, you know what? Nobody That's else fine. did. Yeah, yeah. No one else talked about Apple TV. 
So it's about the new Apple iPhones, and Dan and Lauren were at the event, and they gave a lot of information about what happened there and what to think about everything from the price of it to which one you should get. Anyway, it was a great discussion, Dan. Thanks for coming, and we hope you'll go listen to it. You can find Too Embarrassed to Ask on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Too Embarrassed to Ask. See you there. We're here with Maha Ibrahim. She is the, a partner at Canaan, which is a venture firm that invests in a lot of stuff, healthcare, enterprise, uh, consumer, stuff like that. It's not one of the famous venture capital mm-hmm. firms. So there's lots of them. But you have what's your funds? You're $800 million in one. And- so the fund has been around for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that we are around for another 30 years. 30 years. You, how much do you have under investment? We have $5 billion under investment. So that's a, that's a lot of money. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, the most recent fund that we raised is Canaan 10. It's a $675 million fund. Mm-hmm. And we just announced Canaan 11 which is an $800 million fund. Wow. Okay, so that's a lot of money. It is. So is it easy to raise money now with these? Because there's nowhere for money to go. That's what all the, there's all these, you know, uh, sovereign wealth funds. There's just swashing around worldwide money. There's a lot of money uh, in the system. We want to make sure that we're, our partners that are giving us money are there for the long run. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe that the money that's coming in the system right now may ebb and flow as the venture industry ebbs and flows. And right now we're at the peak. I don't know how long it's going to last. Um, And we want to make sure that our partners understand that we're committed to long-term returns, but there will be variability. Right. So Um, here you have all this money. Yeah. You guys are investing in all kinds of things. What do you think the next turn is for venture? What do you mean by that? What what do you think the hot thing is? What's hot right now versus what you think should be hot? So we are 40% is healthcare. Mm -hmm. And on the healthcare side, we are continuing to build franchises in areas like anti-infectives, immuno-oncology, areas that are incredibly valuable, but where there is still an immense amount of innovation to take place. Right. So clearly with the superbug issues, um, that's not getting better, it's getting mm-hmm. worse. Uh, we need to be developing new, uh, new drugs new anti-infectives that can handle that, particularly for a massively growing and close population. Um, immuno-oncology, for obvious reasons, there are um, massive innovations happening with cancer therapies, mm-hmm. and we want to be on top of that. There are areas in healthcare that we like in the tech side that we won't touch mm-hmm. uh, because we feel like they're either overfunded or Such the as. acquisition. So cardiology, we right. haven't been there, mm-hmm. right? Whereas we will fund an ophthalmology company. Right. Um, diabetes is one that we've, we have some interesting companies in, but we haven't gone long there um, because again, it's been an overfunded space. On the tech side. Genetics uh, too, right? Genetics. Right, yeah. right. There, but there are very interesting areas and mm-hmm. we have some interesting uh, portfolio companies there, but we want to be very, very selective. Again, our our premise of the fund and why we've lasted so long is that we aren't an index fund for venture. There are areas that we will simply not cover. Right. Mm-hmm. There are exceptions to every rule, right? But we won't cover them, right? Um, which is one of the rationales for what you were, or one of the reasons for what you were saying. Um, it is important for us as a fund to make sure that we are known within the areas that we care about. And for everything else, right, for the we wider spend less time. bunch in healthcare, what is what is the hot hot thing that maybe you think is like over cancer or so immuno oncology, anti infectives, genetics, right? But what yes. are the areas that are right now hot and maybe not among what you're doing? What is being really the healthcare space is 
we talked about the acquisition market mm-hmm. um, a couple of minutes ago, but the healthcare space is one where you've seen a ton of M&A because of the macro issue of big pharma needing to enhance its pipeline. Right. So I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Right. I, I'm and they're not particularly very, innovative exactly, as big companies. Exactly, because of their P&L. So right? these are experiments that they then buy up. Yes, yeah. yes. And that's going to happen, I think, for decades to come. Mm-hmm. It is a flywheel that just needs to keep going and going and going. And certainly the population is not getting any smaller. Right. So disease states are getting more enhanced and mm-hmm. more acute. What's the craziest thing in healthcare you've seen? What's that something oh, that you... Jesus. Like printing livers or whatever. That's what I love about our yeah. healthcare, yeah. healthcare yeah. team. I mean, they bring yeah. in some wacky stuff and it's yeah. awesome. I yeah. mean, I've... I've I love it. Yeah. Um, was it? Are, I was, I was asked, at Google Eastern, I was asking them about their, remember they had the, the thing where they had the eye thing that yeah. got, did diabetes yeah. and a bunch of other things. <laughs> I, was, I was like, where's one of those? I like those. Incredibly transformational things are happening in healthcare because mm-hmm. of the blend of tech and, and healthcare. Um, because we are one of the few diversified funds, and I don't mean that from a gender perspective, mm-hmm. I mean healthcare mm-hmm. and tech out there right now, um, we get to see that mix of both. And it's been um, it's been a fascinating place intellectually mm-hmm. for. What about devices? We I've seen a we lot do of those. some. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't do healthcare a lot. Healthcare devices. Yeah, we do some. We and actually this goes across the board, whether it's tech or healthcare. Mm-hmm. We tend to stay away from consumer devices. Mm-hmm. We think that the innovation cycles are so tight mm-hmm. that if you are in the hardware space, whether you're in a regulated hardware space like in healthcare or in the consumer space, it just you only have a few-year window, and you've seen this with Fitbit, yeah, right? right? You only have a few-year window where you can take advantage of that. And right. if we're a what long-term player, those, then, we are. Though. Again, embedded. I, I have, embedded. I am not I bullish on, and this is on the tech side, I'm mm-hmm. not bullish on consumer hardware investments. Right. That's not to say that some won't be successful, because they will, and we've seen several. It's just that the innovation cycles and the cost of innovating mm-hmm. is... So you have to be like an apple yes. to be able to sustain it. Yeah. Yeah. How, how else do you do it? Yeah. How else do you do a next... For, if, you, if you come out with version two of the product, you're announcing version two, no one's going to buy version one six right. months leading up to that. And you've seen that with Apple, right? right? Um, and then all of a sudden, your costs go up because... You're spending so much inventory on version two. I've seen it in all of them. Yeah, so you, like, and your sales and... of version one go down. Yeah. So it's the cycle that a venture-backed Job company, on. right? Yeah, a venture-backed company has a really hard time with. Right, right. And on top of that, it's a hit. They did get business. a lot of money. They all got a lot of money. They sure they did. They sure did, and there it went. Yep. There, goodbye. There it went. <laughs> See ya. But cool for a while. I still like their speakers. I remember getting that. It was so cool. And I'm like, they're gonna rip these up in China in 14 seconds. That's right. Or yesterday. That's what I thought too. And, yeah, cool, and but that's oh, exactly why we wow. stayed away. Yeah, interesting. So, what about in the consumer space? What do you, where do you think the biggest trends are? What um, do you think is the craziest overhyped trends, and then overall, not just you guys? Gosh, I think there's no VC that's going to say anything different than this. Um, what is incredibly hyped right now, and this is, I'm sorry that I'm being boring here, <laughs> is AIML. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time in it, mm-hmm. but we are taking a, a vertical approach that. towards it. Artificial intelligence, machine and learning. machine learning. And there are horizontal plays that are building platform plays around AI and ML. Um, we are trying to take much more of a verticalized approach, which is using AI and ML to to focus on a specific problem within a specific industrial sector. Okay, all right. We're also investing in space. So mm-hmm. we've done 
Mars? Four or five investments. Yes, you're going to live on Mars no, soon. Um, four or five investments in space. Our first, and, and this is approach that we at Canaan have long t- taken when we look at new industry, when we look at new franchises, which is a crawl, walk, run approach. We'll say, gosh, this is an interesting area. We think it's big enough to house mm-hmm. some multi billion dollar companies. We're going to do one see how it goes, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to expand our learning and expand our learning from there, et cetera. So your thesis is that we're going to live in space. Our thesis, no, 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 no. I was joking. Okay, all right. Well, Well, why would you invest in it if you didn't think? Other VCs think that we are going to live in space, Mm -hmm. and great, that's going to be far past my lifetime, so... Mm -hmm. So, but you're getting into that area anyway. Um, We think that the economics of space delivery from a communication standpoint can be a lot cheaper in a commercial application and using commercial technologies versus being um, researched within large governmental organizations. So we've invested in um, a lightweight um, satellite company called Skybox, which Mm -hmm. Google bought, and that was our first investment in space. We have then subsequently invested in uh, balloon companies. Ah, yes, there's always wind companies. Exactly, lightweight rocket companies. Mm Which will allow Gary the transport. Gary Milner had one where he sent it out. It's like it's a tiny little ro- rocket into the like. Right. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about, at the heart of it, getting back to what you first started mm-hmm. um, asking me today. That's what I love about what I do. It is constantly changing. It is never boring. And I am such a lucky person yeah. to be sitting in the seat. So, all right. I'm going to move you along. Uh, space. What else? Food. Are you in food? We're in food delivery. We're not in food. Oh, food delivery. Yes, tough. don't. I'm not in. If you think food delivery is is tough, think yeah. about food manufacturing. Yeah, yeah. No, we are not in food manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to stay away from that. Again, one of those areas that fall on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, we were seed investors in Instacart, and mm-hmm. we think that that is uh, has an enormous amount of promise as a business. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, a lot of those delivery last mile to the home yes. things. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. and that is I Aren't mean, you worried about Amazon kicking your ass everywhere. I, Everyone's worried about Amazon kicking their ass. Amazon, I, I mean, I said this earlier. I, I'm in love with that company mm-hmm. for many, many reasons. Um, yeah, and they're good at execution. Yeah, I mean the fact that they are a bookseller. Yeah. That they were twenty years ago a oh, bookseller, right? And are now the largest cloud provider. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do everything. Right yeah, now. I mean, they've put other tech companies. He's coming to up shame. against a really interesting thing. You know, Trump, of course, attacks him all the time, but I think Trump has like a lizard brain. He understands that people are going to be mad totally. at Bezos later over jobs and everything else, and so he's attacking him on the wrong thing. But it's the right. It'll be an interesting challenge for them to present themselves as lovable. Um, Amazon. Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more profiles of him do laughing. He's got to like move into the Warren Buffett zone, or mm-hmm. else he's in in danger of being in the Bill Gates zone, which is let's sue him. But we think about again public good. Mm-hmm. What he's doing in buying the Washington Post, mm-hmm. I would argue. I mean, yeah, but that's different than Amazon, like, right? But none of it's these newspapers. It is. Yeah. It, it's a dangerous political move, mm-hmm. but. I admire him tremendously for doing yeah. so, right? You're buying a a newspaper that will probably never make money. It actually makes a little money. Okay. All right. Yeah, a uh, little, little, not may much. May never make money, or right. but he's doing it for the public good. There's a benefit to society for doing mm-hmm. it, irrespective of the P&L. Yeah. And that's frankly how I look at, uh, 
at Uber and Airbnb mm-hmm. at this point as well. All right, let me talk about those. So, so, so they're the ones that are sort of the, they were have been the hot companies. Cars, mm-hmm. are you guys in car sharing, car innovation? There's so many car companies right now, self driving car companies. Yes, seems like they're coming out of the woodwork. Everyone's we, moving into that, and area. and they are getting priced from a valuation standpoint to the moon. To the moon. To the moon. Yeah. So um, we are looking. We have not invested in any. Mm-hmm. We are investors in what's a, your worry? A company called Turo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a car, or it's a peer-to-peer car rental service. Okay. So actually using that asset and renting it out. Right. My worry about the autonomous car thing is not that it won't happen, it's the timing they're in. Mm-hmm. I invested, my first investment at Canaan 17 years ago was in a card swipe reader for the mobile device. So remember when those rims yep. were the Blackberry pagers, yep. the very small things? Mm-hmm. It was an attachment with software therein yeah. uh, that allowed you to take mobile payments. Mm-hmm. That was 2001, right. right. And that timing. was my lesson where timing is yep. everything yeah. in this business. And that's not to say that we can't innovate ahead of that, but in terms of making money, it is so all directionally about right. correct, but there's yes. so much money being shoved. Right it's like place, the train business, right I'm guessing. Yes. Railroad business, which had like hundred or the car business originally mm-hmm. had hundreds and hundreds of car yeah. makers. And sometimes it is and the then fast, four. fast follower that mm-hmm. makes all of the money. Yeah. So one lesson that I've learned is that timing is everything. Okay. All right. And then, so car, not yet. And then what about the Airbnb, what Airbnb is doing? Same kind of innovation. What do you mean by that? What, in that area, in the, in the, in the travel area. And stuff like uh, we invested a, several years ago in a company called One Fine Stay, which is bought by Accor uh, Hotels. And it was a concierge-based Airbnb. So they would take properties and very nice luxury properties and concierge it so make it nice mm-hmm. and uh and and put more bells and whistles and services around the airbnb concept i love the concept airbnb is a tremendous company um i wish we had invested in that company mm-hmm. that's one of the ones on the anti-portfolio mm-hmm. and we just got it wrong and mm-hmm. there's plenty of ones that we got wrong and that was that was one of them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're. He's a lovely CEO too. It's an amazing. He's company. like the anti-Travis. It's an amazing choice. company. So, of these companies, which one of them does there have to be a public offering of any of these? An Uber and Air, despite all their troubles, it looks like that's where they're headed. Yeah. Or Airbnb. What do you or Pinterest or any of them? Of the, there was a class of hot companies there that just suddenly the unicorns. I guess mm-hmm. that's what they call them at the time. Does there have to be a public offering of one of them for venture to thrive? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which one? Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Uber, by the way, let me actually do a side note on Uber. The fact that they don't have a CFO or functioning board right now mm-hmm. and are still managing. No CMO. Okay, fair. No I, head go of d- engineering. Go down the list. Right? All of them. The fact that they are managing to make the strategic decisions and moves that they are with the absence of all of that is remarkable, mm-hmm. right? They're raising money. Mm-hmm. They're making the strategic move to get out of certain countries. Mm-hmm. They are shutting down the car leasing program mm-hmm. and the the list goes on, right? In with a company that large it's like Travis who was doing all those things. The app but the absence of leadership and making those strategic moves, it's surprising in, in a very positive way, mm-hmm. right? You are looking at whomever is running that company right now is making very hard decisions and mm-hmm. I think doing the right thing objectively from the outside. Yeah. Um, anyway, what was the question? So going public, which Airbnb is. Yeah, I think yeah. so. What happens so. to Uber then? I've thought a lot about that. Again, I think about that as a public good. I believe that 
it needs to be a monopoly. So I believe that Uber and Lyft at some point in time need to be one company mm-hmm. and they need to stop marketing into the ground because mm-hmm. it's- Or Uber it, and Didi, one of Yeah, it, at this point, it's a loser's dilemma. Why right? not merge them? I'm saying in one geography, right. they need to, there needs to be one in each geography mm-hmm. because they are outspending each Why other. Why not just one? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Just one. Well, I'm not even looking worldwide, Mm -hmm. just in the United States. I think about Amazon that way. Amazon didn't actually have a lot of competitors, really. Well, Amazon. And then they built moats. That's right. That's right. Amazon would argue that their competitors are Walmart and Target, and they're just out. But they're just out executing, right? Right. And I think the Uber Lyft combination is, you could argue the same thing with taxis. I like that. I agree with you on that. So that's strategically. What I would do. All right, good. Well, maybe you should be CEO. Oh no, wait, you're a woman. Why don't you? Worst <laughs> CEO. I'd be the most entertaining CEO, but I certainly would be the worst. Someone would said that about. If yeah, someone I'm wants not to hire C- you into venture, you should just do no, it. Do no, no on all the things. I'm going to stay just where I am, where I enjoy being irritating and have no responsibility for my irritation. Is that different from my job? No, you have there to be nice go. to people. I don't. So eventually. Anyway, Maha, this has been, it's great talking to you. It's really interesting. Can I ask you one last question? I ask everybody what mistake they made in their career for entrepreneurs or anybody. What was your biggest mistake? You don't have to learn from it either. You can just have made it and that's that. Oh, God. I've made so many mistakes. Or a tip. In you can give job. a tip. Timing. 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 You, you mentioned that too. I look at the investments that I make today and I look at all of the, I mean, in early stage, we lose a lot mm-hmm. of companies, right? 40% on average of our companies go to zero. Right. Um, we've been very fortunate to have a loss ratio that's less than that, but it is, yeah. it, it, it's a lot of losses. And by and large, the reason that our companies fail is that we got the timing wrong. Okay, timing. So always yeah. be well-timed. Yeah, and, 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 and again, that. how do you yeah. do that? Yeah, you right? don't, you don't, it's you don't. Luck. You live in the future and come back in the, your time machine that Google owns. That's past. right. That's how you do it. That's right. Anyway, thank you for coming by. It was great talking to you. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews. We've done with Greylock partner Reed Hoffman, Rent the Runway CEO Jennifer Hyman, and diversity advocates Erica Baker and Sarah Kuntz, just to name a few. You can find all those episodes and more wherever you found this one or on our website, recode.net slash podcast. Now that you're done with this, check out one of our other shows on Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You'll hear no BS interviews with some of the smartest people in media and entertainment. I also host Too Embarrassed to Ask, along with Lauren Good of The Verge, where we answer all of your questions about consumer tech. And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from all of Recode's live events, including the Code Conference. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Beth O'Connell and our editor, Chris Basil. And thank you to our producer, Eric Johnson. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. If you're listening to this podcast, I know that you love smart women like Kara. So I have a recommendation for you. My new podcast, Divided States of Women. I'm Liz Plank, and I'm a political correspondent at Vox Media, but I'm also a progressive. And my co-host, Heatha Herzog, is a Republican. We're friends, but we don't always agree. Each week, we'll be delving into the biggest issues dividing and uniting women in America. We'll have policy experts on and thought leaders and, fingers crossed, Kara Swisher as a guest. You won't want to miss an episode. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. 
Hi, this is Kara Swisher. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Our media industry listeners will already know this, but Recode is owned by Vox Media, and we wanted to include a special shout-out because we're so proud to be associated with them. Vox Media is a fast-growing modern media company known for its standout technology and high-fidelity advertising. Its platform is what supports our growth here at Recode, and it's what allows us to go deeper into the topics you, our listeners, care most about. For us, that's tech news, reviews, and analysis. But for listeners who haven't already, you should check out Vox Media's other editorial brands. There's Vox.com, which goes deeper into explaining the stories defining our world today. On SB Nation, they tell the story beyond the scoreboard. And there's many, many more, including Eater, Curbed, Racked, and Polygon. What unites all of these editorial brands is a refusal to compromise on quality because we believe in the power of depth and we believe in the best of our audiences. If you aren't going to go deep, where are you going? Vox Media.